your Bibles, I would invite you to open them to John 15, verse 15. We'll be looking at a variety of verses this morning. We're going to start in just a moment with that one. Our family spent the last week in the Boundary Waters, and uh, we had a great time. It's a beautiful place. Any of you that like to be out camping, whether camping to you means uh, showers and a metal roof over your head, or a tent and holes in the ground that you walk to, we all have different interpretations of camping. But there's something about the outdoors that we all like. I enjoy living on Rib Mountain, and I have the opportunity to enjoy the beauty of that every morning. I've developed a routine now, and it's become a routine, so it's become easy to do. We've been talking about the importance of routine, and routines are really, as we have learned, good friends of ours because they enable us to do the things that we need to do that we need to get in the habit of doing. So I have a routine. I, I get up and I walk up the hill in the morning. It takes about 10 minutes, and the goal of that first 10 minutes is to wake up. I used to try and pray right away, and I thought, this must be pretty insulting to God. Uh, so I decided I would not even try and pray for at least 10 minutes as my mind is waking up. But when I hit the top and I, I come down, I have a one of the things that I like to do and one of the things that I need to do because this doesn't come naturally for me but I need to get my mind in a thankful state I tend to think about the problems things I have to solve things that aren't working quite right and so I have found it's very very important in my life to begin the day in a thankful state. And so I just began to thank God for whatever pops into my mind. And often it's just what's going on in the morning. You know, if it's a beautiful blue sky and sunshine, I'll thank God for that. There's a breeze in my face, whatever it is. There's just so much out there in creation that, that speaks to us. And last week I was walking down the hill and I thought, you know, this is wonderful. All the, all the things that I kind of hear from God as I walk in nature. But then I asked myself this question. What if this was all I had? What if all that God had revealed to us was just what He revealed through nature? I began to think about all of the things I would not know. I, I wouldn't know... You know, through nature we know that, that, that there's some being out there that's big. Every human being knows that. We know that whatever that being is, that he's, he's very creative. And that he certainly is bigger than we are. But we don't know if this God is personal. We don't know what he's thinking. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's going to happen to me when I die. There are so many things that we don't know. And if we were left with just God revealing Himself through nature, I realize there are so many things that I enjoy in my life that I would not know if that's all that God had given us. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to take some time and talk about 
all of the ways that God has revealed himself and is revealing himself to us. And at the end, I'm going to ask you a very important question. The text is John 15, 15. It's an amazing verse. Jesus is with his disciples. You know, they've been calling him rabbi. And they kind of have this idea that God is, that, that you know, Jesus here is their master and that, that they are his servants. And if you were to put that in, in context, you know, it's kind of like your boss and your employees. And so here the disciples, and perhaps we might be tempted to view God in terms of God is the boss and we are his employees. You know, he tells us how to live and, and what to do. And it's our responsibility to live that way and do that. And if that's your understanding of God, Jesus here is challenging that understanding because Jesus here is inviting you and I and the disciples to a very different relationship. And this is what he says in that verse. He says, No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. Jesus is saying, this is, I'm, I'm inviting you into a very different relationship. You know, if you were to describe, I don't know how many of you have a really good friend, like a best friend, but I would just about guarantee that one of the qualities that you would talk about in describing your best friend is this. You know, we tell each other everything. This is somebody that there's lots of people that I wouldn't tell things to, but my my closest friend, I I would tell everything to that person. And that is precisely what Jesus is saying here. He says, I'm not I'm not calling you servants, I'm calling you my friends. I have revealed to you everything that God has revealed to me. There are no secrets. I have told you everything. So walk with me here this morning. And, and this is probably not new. But I, I want us to be hit with the impact of the extent of God's revelation to us and God's revelation to you. The first two are what we call general revelation. The first one's nature. Psalm 19, 1 through 3. We'll take each of these, read a verse about it. I'll just make a few comments, and then we're just going to move through these. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. So here we see that God... You know, the reason all this stuff is here, this creation, is that God is wanting to speak to us. And He speaks to everyone. He speaks to everyone. We find these words in the book of Romans. Chapter 1, verse 18. Listen to what it says. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. What is that truth? For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. 
for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So what he's saying here is that people that say there is no God are intentionally suppressing truth. Creation will tell you that God exists, that he's eternal, that he's powerful. Anyone that denies that, it says here, by his own unrighteousness, is suppressing that truth. And so God speaks to everyone. God speaks to everyone through nature and through creation. When we suppress truth, our minds become depraved. And in this context, what that means, as he goes on and talks about them becoming depraved, is that the word depraved means not to, to not pass the test or become unfit or something that doesn't work right. So when people deny what creation is saying, their minds cease to work correctly. They become depraved. So, nature is the first one. God reveals it. Here's the second one. Again, this is something that God, how God reveals himself to every human being on the face of the earth. And that is conscience. Romans 2, verses 14 and 15. Indeed, when Gentiles, who do not have the law, do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also now accusing, now even defending them. And so what we see here is this truth that when, when God made you, this little shufflebind baby that just came into the world, in the DNA of that child, on that child's conscience, is God's moral law written there. And so, you know, a human being that's never read the Bible or done anything can go out and they instinctively know that it's wrong to steal. They instinctively know it's wrong to take another person's life. There's a conscience through which God reveals his moral law to us, that, that sense of right and wrong. And so that's why the Bible continually warns about hardening your heart and talks about people who have seared their conscience. It's like burning it. If, if you burn something, it loses its sensitivity. Very dangerous when a conscience can become so seared that people no longer uh, can hear from God through that conscience which he has put within us. But God didn't stop there. It's not just nature. It's not just our conscience. You know, we know a lot of general things just through that. But God has so much more. Thirdly, God is revealing himself through a story. And I just think this is so profound. Ephesians 3, verses 4 to 6. In reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery, that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. His intent was that now, 
listen to this line. God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God is writing a story in history. He's writing a story with your life. The Bible says that he has called us through the gospel, both Jew and Gentile, and that's what Paul's whole life was about here, is proclaiming this message that through the gospel, God is calling together his church through whom he is going to proclaim to, it says, all of the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. History is a story. The church of Jesus Christ is the central part of history. It's not, it's not Hollywood. The action is not the political arena. It's not what's happening in the economic world. The central focus of history is the church. If you're part of the church of Jesus Christ, you are part of the primary focus of what God is doing in the world. And so God has, is revealing himself through history and, and through your life. Your life is a part of this drama that God is writing. You know, it began with Adam and Eve, and then Noah, and then Abraham, and then David, and, and then the prophets, and the whole sacrificial system, and everything you read in the Old Testament is, is looking ahead to what's to come. And then Christ comes. And we have his birth and his death and his resurrection and the formation of the church and then all nations coming and, and then living in the end times and in the end a, a one world system and one world economy and the Antichrist will come. And then there'll be a new kingdom. And God's church and his people will have new bodies and we will live in that new world. This is the story that God is writing from a Eden that fell to an Eden that is restored, a new heaven and a new earth. And God is revealing himself through this story. It's an amazing story that he's writing. But God doesn't stop there. The fourth thing we see here is that God is revealing himself through Scripture. God is revealing himself through Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed. Another word there is inspired. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The important thing I want you to notice there is that Scripture is God-originated, God-inspired. This isn't about people writing things of interest that they have observed. This is about God writing to you through people. And, and, you know, people have said, people say this. You know, God never speaks to me. I don't know, people talk about how God speaks to them. God never speaks to me. Well, my Bible here has over a thousand pages. How can you say God hasn't spoken to you? Not only has he spoken, he's written it down so we don't forget it. I forget 90% of what I read. I, I am so thankful that God has given us his word and he's spoken to us. And, and through it, what he does is, through the scripture, we, he interprets history. I mean, he, he, we know what's going on in our world because God is interpreting it. It's like God's commentary on your life. 
God answers pretty much just about. There are certain questions that we can't have answered, but there's an awful lot of things God answers through his word. There's an awful lot he's revealed. I'll just give you one example. Number one question. Number one question in secular culture that people ask is, if there is a God, why is there so much suffering? Number one question. The Bible is very clear. God has revealed to us very clearly the answer to that question. Let me write in the first chapter of the Bible. The answer to the question, why is there so much suffering in the world, is because God put man on the earth. God gave man, notice this, God gave man dominion over the earth. So you're in charge here. And man rebelled and sinned against God, and man fell. And we've been screwing it up ever since. I was at Appleton in the, for the uh, Walk to Emmaus retreat, and there was a, on the youth board, there was a sign. And it was, they were doing some, something uh, to help the poor. And the poster said, it was, it was written, there was a picture of a young girl there, and she said, I wanted to ask God why he would allow so many children in the world to starve. But I was afraid he might ask me the same question. God gave man dominion over the earth. We would like to blame God <clears throat> for our irresponsibility. And so, but that's just one example of, of, you know, what do you want to know about? Your marriage, your finances, how to deal with worry in your life, whatever's going on in your life. I mean, the most important questions. How do we find purpose and hope and meaning in our lives? God has revealed so much. I stand with families as we lower the body of a loved one into the ground and everybody's wondering what's where is this person and what's happening and and I have the privilege of opening opening to one of many passages and sharing with the family what God has revealed they can trust in and hope in for this loved one who has died God has revealed so many things to us. He also tell us that, tells us that his ways are beyond our ways and his thoughts beyond our thoughts. And so there are things that, you know, we, we think a number of things. We think, we think God owes us something. The Bible tells us that God owes us nothing. Uh, we naturally think that it's unfair for God to send innocent people to hell. The Bible tells us God would never send an innocent person to hell. That all are guilty before God. Uh, some people think that there are some sins that are just... Some people have done such horrendous things that God could not forgive them. The Bible says that God will forgive any and every sin. There are people that look at circumstances and say, nothing good could happen out of this, and God is... Scriptures tell us that God is working all things out for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Um, you know, a God that big can't be that personal. Jesus says, I'm calling you my friends. I I'm revealing everything to you. The Bible is an amazing book. 
It's an incredible book, and God has revealed himself to us through it. Here's the fifth one, because God didn't just stop there. He doesn't just write about it, you know, like a, like a novel that makes us feel good. But when we put it down, we, we know it's just a story. Uh, this is real stuff. And fifthly, God has revealed himself to us through his son. Through his own son. Hebrews chapter 1. Listen to these words. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Amazing. God, God's ultimate act of revelation. It says here, was the coming of his son. God becoming flesh. God becoming you know, one of us on our planet, taking on our humanity, living amongst us. He ate with us, he slept with us, he walked with us, he faced temptation with us, he suffered with us. And then in the ultimate act of revelation, of the revelation of his heart for us, we read that he died. Not just any death, but the most brutal death a man could die as a revelation of his love for us. No greater love as a man than this, that he would lay down his life First friends. So when you see Jesus celebrating at the wedding of Canaan, you're seeing God celebrate. When you see Jesus helping the sick and the less fortunate, you're seeing God's heart towards the sick and the less fortunate. When you see God angry with those taking advantage of people through religion, you see the very heart of God. When you see Jesus looking into the eyes of a prostitute saying, neither do I condemn you, you see the forgiveness of God. When, when you hear the stories about a father who runs to meet his son, you get an idea of how God feels towards you when you come back home. And when you see Jesus stretched out, bloodied and beaten on a cross, you see the heart of God for you. Finally, we see that God has revealed himself through his spirit. The Holy Spirit, these words... Jesus spoke in John 16. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come, and he will bring glory to me by making, taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Everyone that invites, you know, when you believe on Christ, it just God doesn't just give you a place in heaven and write your name in a book. He comes through His Spirit and lives in you. And He reveals Himself through His presence in you. This is the very, this isn't some uh, appendage of God. This is the very Spirit of God. I, I just find this so profound. That God Himself, God, the triune God, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, that God comes by his spirit and dwells in us and takes these things that you know we read here and makes them known to us and reveals truth to us i mean it is a amazing thing to get up every morning and realize that god's spirit is active revealing things of god to you whatever your needs are for that day 
It's an amazing, amazing thing. So here it is. Let me just summarize. God reveals himself to us through nature, through our conscience, through history as it's being lived out, through Scripture, through His Son, through the Holy Spirit. God is revealing and revealing and revealing Himself to you and to me. And so here's a question I, I want to ask you as, as I conclude this morning. Does that what does that touch in you? I mean, what does that say to you? How, how do you respond to that? I mean, is that just something you, you look at and you go, well, that's, you know, that's really interesting? Or, or do you get underneath that and say, why is God revealing all this to me? The answer is, again, John 15, 15. Jesus is saying, why have I told you everything that the Father has told me? Because I'm calling you my friends, that's why. God wants to know us. I was reading a description, and I conclude with this, of Joni Erickson Tata. She's, uh, for those of you who don't know her, she's pretty well known today. She's a young gal as a teenager that dove into a lake and broke her neck. And she has spent the rest of her life in a wheelchair. And she's describing herself here at her wedding. And, and I, I, can, I think many of us probably can relate to this as we look at our own lives and we wonder why a God who would create is so big that create could create this whole world and is writing history and would reveal his word that this God wants to be, as he says in his words, wants to be our friend. Actually the Bible says it in an even more profound way is that he wants to be the groom. And he views us as his bride. She's talking about her wedding. And she's, she's talking about how, how awkward she felt as her girlfriends strained to try and situate her paralyzed body in the wheelchair. She says, because of my paralyzed body, the dress didn't quite fit right. I was being wheeled into the church and I glanced down and noticed that I'd accidentally run over the hem of my dress, tearing it and leaving a greasy tire mark. My hands were paralyzed and couldn't even hold the bouquet of daisies that was in the center of my lap. My chair decorated for the wedding was a still a big clunky gray machine with belt skiers and ball bearings. It certainly didn't feel like picture-perfect bride in the bridal magazines. As I inched my chair closer to the last pew, I, I caught a glimpse of Ken, my soon husband-to-be. There he was, standing tall, stately in his formal attire, and I saw him looking for me, stretching and, and bending his neck to look up the aisle. 
My face became flushed, and suddenly I couldn't wait to be with him. I had seen my beloved, and the look in Ken's face had washed away all of my feelings of inadequacy and unworthiness. I was his pure and perfect bride. I don't know if if you can see into the eyes of God this morning, but I would challenge you to interpret all of these acts of revelation that God has given to us as God's message to you that he wants to know you, that he wants to love you, that he wants to be in in a revealing revelation with you on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis because you are his child through Christ. Father, this morning, this is a profound truth. I pray that you just open our eyes to help us to see what you're saying to us through all the ways in which you've communicated to us. Father, show us your heart. Take away those barriers in our lives that keep us distant. Father, for anyone here today who has yet to become your child, who has yet to open their life up to faith in Christ's work on the cross, Lord, for anyone who is trying to do it on their own and has yet to just give up and allow you to be their Savior, I pray today that they might just open their lives up. Lord, invite you to come in through your Holy Spirit just do an amazing work that only you can do. Father, thank you today for all of the things you've revealed to us. And Lord of all of it, most of all, thank you for the revelation of your love through Jesus Christ to each one of us. Father, that love expressed on the cross you call us your friends. And no greater love has anyone than this, than he would lay down his life for his friends. Father, this morning as we conclude our service, we pray you bless uh, the offering as it's taken. Lord, as the offering goes around, may we just consider uh, what you're speaking to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name.